Hello there, listeners, and welcome back to the James Bond Complex podcast, the show where we discuss, analyze, and rejoice in the James Bond phenomenon in all of its shapes and forms, from Fleming to films, and everything in between. Hmm. Our long and winding road through the editing of Bond concludes with this, part five of Editing Bond. We are, of course, discussing the five Daniel Craig films. Simon Drake is with us one more time. Let's roll the tape. I think even Eon obviously thought, okay, we've made... (laughs) We may have gone too far in a few places, um, and uh, so that they did what they do often when they go when they go big, they they don't go home. Like, well, maybe they do go home to Fleming, but they scale exactly. it, scale it back and just go. Okay, what are the core ingredients of of Bond, and let's sort of start there from the from the ground up, really. And, and would would you say just as a sort of discussion point, would you say this is probably uh, after Goldeneye, probably the most significant uh, reinvention of Bond or to jump forward um, f- potentially the whole franchise in terms of the difference between Daniel Craig in Casino Royale to Pierce Brosnan in Die Another Day is mm. significant in terms of the style and the atmosphere and obviously significant tone. <laughs> performance and all of these things uh it, it is to me it almost seems as much of a leap between license to kill and golden eye to die another day and casino royale i think it's a, is quite a big let's change it up let's choose this actor who mo- most people myself included at the time of us going um well yeah i mean layer cake was okay but i don't really see it <laughs> i just seen rotor petition actually a week before i saw die another day and i remember seeing Daniel Craig in that and going, I, I didn't know the actor, but I just, this character so snivelly and kind of weaselly and <laughs> He's annoying, that movie. And then in Tomb Raider, he's got a terrible American accent. Lara. And, and hey, Lara. Um, and then, uh, and then Lair <laughs> K, I, I'm not a big fan of British gangster films, so I thought it was all right. I thought he was, so I just didn't, didn't see it and he had, uh, Obviously, he hadn't hit the gym at that point. He had his floppy mm. band right. haircut, and I just, I just couldn't, couldn't see it. And and so it's quite a. I, I wasn't one of these people on immediately on the internet going, eh, they should ban, not hire him. It's kind of they obviously know what they're doing. They've been doing it for at that point, yeah, twenty years, twenty plus years. So, but I I just couldn't see it really. And uh, so yeah, quite a big change um in terms of the tone the style the editing choices all of that stuff so so what what do you two think about about that Uh, well it's significant from 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 many from a storytelling point from an acting point uh from a tone point but editing wise mm, that's a good question who did this again have to go. Funnily yeah, enough, one of the Stuart Baird, I think. Yeah, I think one, it is. 
You know what? He's a really um, good ed- editor, he's but a horrible well. director. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't call him horrible. Like, he's made good films. What did but, he direct? Uh, um, U.S. Marshals is a, is a good one. Okay. Okay. Uh, but he's notorious. He's directed the last Next Generation Star Trek movie. Um, it's the least profitable movie uh, of, I think, all of the entire franchise. But and apparently it was a, it was a bit of a messy production, mm-hmm. and he didn't know the characters. I thought the some actors that were aliens and weren't. <laughs> um, so he's uh, when you hear of the making of that movie, uh, most of the actors, or if not all the actors, shit on him. Like they, they, they. But he, right. Stuart Baird directed, uh, not directed, edited Superman the movie. Um, and I oh, think, wow. yeah, he's a good editor. Like he's uh, he, he he re- brought, brought in as a ghost director for a couple of big films where Demolition Man. He, a, a rumor is he mostly directed oh, really? that. He's an editor. Um, so he knew what to get an executive decision, which was another Joel Silver action movie. So he's right. obviously he's a bit of a John Glenn, I guess, in that respect, where they sort of bring him in and then kind of go, okay, you know what nuts and bolts footage you mm. need to get um, in these big movies, and especially if maybe the director that they originally got, because Marco Brambilla, who I think directed Demolition Man and credited for it, him and Stallone, I think, had slightly different views, and because Stuart Baird had edited um, some other movie, some other bigger sort of Joel Silver type movies, I think, in the eighties. Yeah, he uh, did. Uh, he did most of the uh, Donner films from that era, in the eighties, and uh, Die Hard too. Um, thank you, IMDb, by the way. Um, <laughs> but that's a that's a thing. He's a very He's, he's a great editor, more than a director. The, the Legend of Zorro, which, I mean, I, I don't like that movie, but I'm not going to blame him. He mm-hmm. edited Maverick. That's, that, you know, that, that's a movie I actually like. Uh, Green Lantern, some people uh, uh, say it's their least, it's the worst super he seems, movie. Uh, he seems to be a Martin Campbell man. He is a Martin Campbell. So, I, I, you know what? I think it's in the more... Uh, I don't want to say, but it's as as, as strong. It's equally, uh, no, uh, it, it, the editor and the director are equally uh, masters of their own craft. They can mm-hmm. do multiple genres. They 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 can edit movies uh, that are not only he did kid movie, he did the Radio Flyer, um, he did action movies, he did sci-fi, and he works in every uh, sort of genre. But he tends to apparently yeah, he right. did. Tomb Raider to 2018, which was a, 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 had solid action sequence. Yeah. Even though there's yeah. there there are things I don't like about that that movie, mostly regard in regards to one character, but that's a, a another for another time. The editor detour. detour. <laughs> uh, well, but, well, I think it's it's difficult to talk about the editing of Casino Royale and Stuart Barrett's work without talking about probably what must be one of the most difficult things to film and edit and it's not an action scene although it's a high tension scene and that's the poker game which lasts a long time in this movie yeah, it's true you know what i didn't even come w- with that in mind i was thinking about sh- action sequence but i i'm i am a poker player i i understand i when that movie came out i understood everything that was going on and until a few years ago, Edgar hadn't played poker. I don't know if you have, Simon, but you understand what's going on, right? That, that's, you know, that's a sign of, uh, and that's, it's entirely 
done with the editing. The director just did, took everything he needed to, but you know, it's built. Uh, uh, the, the tension, everything, is built uh, in, in the suite. Is it sweet? It's not. You know, mm-hmm. the actors do their things. There are funny se- sequences. There's when you get Bond gets poisoned. I especially like the effects of you know the 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 cam- the, the, the image changes the way it's shot mm-hmm. in a sort mm-hmm. of the, uh, the, the, the the tricks with the 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 shutter speed. I don't know if it's a post uh, post uh, film uh, edit uh, effect or if it's done on camera. I doubt it's done on camera these days. They tend to favor get unless they want slow good slow and they favor doing the effects that type of effects mm-hmm. on in post production. Um, in case they want to change their mind, but um, you right. know, it's you know the way it's cut uh there's always i don't know it's a movie that feels smarter because of the edit because of the choices Mm -hmm. that are made you see geography it makes sense but you also get an attention to uh actors uh interaction that you know we compare to because you know well i feel like there's a more there, there, there is, it's not a strong emphasis on on character uh, interaction it feels like brosnan's performance is off not the, not often the subject of the scene he's sort of reacting but mm-hmm. other other people are it, it's, it's 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 something bizarre but i feel it's uh, one of the strengths of Stuart Bear, which, like I said, I appreciate it more as a as a editor than as a, than as a, uh, a, a director. I don't know, Simon, what um, what you want to add or? Uh, yeah, you, well, it's really interesting actually. You listing a lot of the Stuart Baird, Martin Campbell joints, really. The mm. uh, that they're working together, but also something that I it, it then got me thinking about Martin Campbell also for both Golden Eye. Obviously, he used Terry Rawlins to edit that he'd worked with for GoldenEye, but he used the same deep cinematographer for GoldenEye and Casino Royale. So the fact that I think it's a really good combo where he's obviously bringing in people. And, and I don't know the relationship between the other directors and their editors or cinematographers, for example, but it does feel as if there's a there's a really good synchronization between Martin Campbell and, and Phil mm-hmm. Menho, I think is how you pronounce it, his cinematographer, and obviously Martin Campbell using the same editors that he's used before. So so you're getting these really great people that, that, as was mentioned, know their craft really well and they work really well together and they can bring things to, to the mix and it feels therefore a bit, a bit fresher. And, and I think a good case in point of comparing diet, say comparing Die Another Day the film before and Casino Royale, the parkour foot chase, which is a long action scene. It goes on for probably eight, nine minutes, something's quite a, quite a long action. But for me anyway, boy, is it exciting and not only moves forward with perpetual motion of the fact that they're running, but in terms of changing location and it never gets to me, gets boring, even though it's a long action scene, whereas there's equally long action scenes in some of the other Bond films that we've maybe talked about already that feel quite, feel their length and they feel mm-hmm. stale or, or they just drag on a bit too too long. Um, and so, that, again, that's a really great case in point of you've got terrific editing, really top, top-notch. top To the point, you, I, don't, I don't notice the editing. I mean, it's so smooth and seamless and obviously very exciting um, 
direction as well. I think I think Martin Campbell gets a sense of of excitement and uh, to me anyway, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. more excited in his action scenes, the stairwell fight in Casino and things compared to sort of similar scenes in say some of the other other films. But um, but but also in terms of how they're therefore edited together and and, and as you say the the, uh, the casino scenes as well. I have no, I've never played poker in my my life. I mean, I've, I can read Fleming and I've never played Bridge or Shaman de Fer and they're still exciting. But in terms of editing, and obviously there is a bit of Mathis expositional stuff, uh, which, which for me is quite helpful because I don't know anything. <laughs> I still sort of get it. I still was getting it enough without him going four million in the pot or whatever. Yeah. Um, but th- those scenes have the have as much tension and, and it, it's as much the sort of psychological back and forth as as the physical game poker playing there's a psychological game being played and who oh is his tell is is it this is it that and then mm-hmm. and then it breaks it up as well in terms of again from an editorial point of view it breaks it up over in, in almost blocks i think it's three three blocks because then he goes off and he has a stairwell fight and then he goes off and he gets poisoned he goes back to the hotel room with vesper in the shower and so you, mm-hmm. so you've got this let's call the casino scene the poker scene an action scene if you like because there's action happening but there's a sort of suspense scene but it's also being broken up into segments so it's also to me it doesn't get boring i know some people say it's possibly a bit too overlong but to me it doesn't get boring because it has got those sequences threaded throughout um and and it's i think is is it longer than honor majesties i know it's i know it's one of the longest films apart from no time to die but it was definitely one of the longer films but yeah, to me it doesn't boring um there's and i sometimes quite like the fact that it slows down in the in the final third obviously you've got the house floaty house sinking sequence but there is enough drama and actually i like the fact that it that it allows itself to slow down after the torture scene and the mm. poker scene and, and a lot <laughs> of the action comes front loaded in that in that film um, for me so yeah I think I think it's really really expertly edited as, as a whole overall piece because as we talked about with Die Another Day and again I'm not ragging on Die Another Day it's just because it's the film that comes before it so it's a good comparison mm-hmm. but the fact that it's that film is two hours 15 but it really feels its length whereas Casino is maybe 20 minutes longer than that mm-hmm. and it, it 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 breezes by yes it feels longer but it doesn't feel there's no scenes in it that I think, oh, this is dragging on a, a little bit. So, yeah, I think it really, yeah, really expertly edited and put together. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a classy editing style, I find. One of my favorite moments is uh, when Vesper and Bond have arrived at the hotel and they're preparing, you know, they're doing their toilette uh, for, for the evening. And there's a shot of Vesper, you know, doing her makeup in the mirror. Bond comes in, he talks to her. And then I don't know what you call that effect. But if you play the movie on slow motion, you do sort of see Bond's room. And then we wipe back to Vesper's bathroom. I thought that's a, a really pan. interesting kind of a a whip pan type thing. That's interesting. I have a dinner jacket. The dinner jacket's and dinner jackets. This is the latter. And I need you looking like a man that belongs at that table. That goes on. And then we cut to Bond looking at himself in the mirror with, you know, 
looking the business with the dinner jacket and Vesper visits him. And it's one of those things you don't really notice. It's sort of like when Matt was elaborating on the, uh, the tomorrow never dies moment where Bond goes into Elliot Carver's head. If you, you don't really notice that on first viewing, it's only on second, third, on subsequent viewings. But that, I think that's really interesting. You're two sides of the same coin in the respective bathroom mirrors with one visiting the other and there's a whip pen between those two visits and they're both getting ready for the evening and of course it's the first time we see bond wearing the dinner jacket like that's really good storytelling through the editing and i think there's a lot of that classiness in casino royale um uh, it's a very um there are just some filmmakers and editors, in this case, Stuart Baird, where I, as a film fan, as a movie watcher, I just feel comfortable. I'm, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm like putty. I don't mind what they do because they just seem to know what the shot is going to be. Matt, last week you said about the, the, the how sacrosanct you know, a cut is. When is the cut? What are we cutting to? How many times are we cutting within this sequence? And I, I struggle to come up with a moment in Casino Royale that I don't really like as far as the editing. Actually, that's not true. That's not true. I wish in the Madagascar chase sequence, when Bond jumps from one scaffolding to the other, that it's obviously not Daniel Craig. It's the stunt person. His name escapes me at the moment. Just an extra two seconds to see him land. Just see him land. Because we cut to Bond. Oh. We don't see the landing. Um, that's a little. Yeah, and something that I think from an editing uh, point of view as well is... Uh, that I, I really like is the fact that it's knowing when to allow the scenes to to breathe as well. I mean, obviously we talk about the action scenes and the, some of the suspense scenes and the whip panning mm. backwards and forwards between scenes, but also, I mean, the shower scene from memory when the when Daniel Craig comes in and Vespers is in the shower after, mm -hmm. after uh, the fight, and I think that just holds on that that shot. I think it slightly pulls back, but in terms of, I mean, I'm sure then I'm sure Martin Campbell covered that scene in other shots as well but the fact that they actually allowed that scene just to hold mm -hmm. without cutting for 20 seconds whatever the yeah. length of the scene is and allowing it to just breathe and to to soak into the into the scene as well as you've got a, a harder edged editing style in the scene before where there's been a big fight or a bit or a mm -hmm. poker game or whatever where there's um, but also i think from an editing point of view it's, it's kind of interesting to look at what they did cut as well because you, there is some deleted scenes on the uh on the blu-ray and the fact that the end of, and i was just thinking about where you were talking about the storytelling aspect of the editing and where matt was saying about the sacrosanct aspect um and the opening scene is you see much more of bond at the at the cricket game and he's watching the guy in the crowd and you see him stalk, stalking around and i was just thinking about from a from a storytelling point of view is the fact that that opening scene as it is in the theatrical final film you don't see Bond that much. He's sort of in the shadows and, and he's obviously in Dryden's office in the shadows, but even in, when it's mm -hmm. cutting to, to during the fights, it's all very fragmented. 
and you're not really seeing him until maybe the point when he says yes considerably you sort of see him a little bit he's saying some dialogue whereas if which, which again is a storytelling point of view the character's always in the dark he's always on his own he's always in the shadows whereas if they'd have had the scene of you saw way more of him sat around watching cricket and mm-hmm. through the um through the cricket club and things you would have seen more of him at that point in the story mingling with the the real world as opposed to this slightly dark lonely figure figure so again from a storytelling point of view i mean that could just be me being a a a film nerd and reading too much into it but just as a as a presentation of of the intro of a new bond and the fact that they made that decision to cut out the scenes of him interacting because of pacing because of maybe some of those character beats but i think it is more effective because they cut it out because you're you're seeing these little fragments of this new bond until finally he's revealed when dryden turns around and says says his dialogue so so yeah i think that is often a good example good example of seeing what they Mm -hmm. as much of what they cut as opposed to what is is in the film and how that would have would have affected things differently it would have changed that pre-title scene it would have been longer it would have been more bond sat in a crowd of people etc so yeah i think those are always good examples to to look at for me but yeah i think very very strong like you say classical editing um which is a bit of a breath feels a better bit of a breath of fresh air compared to, mm. to the, sort of the previous entry maybe yeah after we spent four years watching die another day on dvd back uh-huh. in the day it's like oh thank god there's another nice little moment and it's another bond vesper moment it's when they meet each other on the train on the way to montenegro and there's an interesting little cut where you know they introduce oh, i'm the money every penny of it yada 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 and then they receive their menus and show what looks good and you don't really notice it but the next cut is later in that conversation like they've had their dinner they're just pouring they're pour- probably pouring their second or third glass of wine at that point i don't remember if there's another bottle on the table that would be interesting to pick up um but it, it's it's a simple it's subtle it's the, the passage of time in a cut and because of that passage of time we presume that they've discussed over dinner over the first glass of wine so although it's still the same evening it's still the same dinner uh, conversation the fact that a little bit more time has elapsed we're assuming that well they know each other a little bit more now they're going to get in you know it's sort of How's the weather? Oh, how was the flight? Uh, oh, what'd you do yesterday? You know, get that out of the way. Now let's talk about the mission. What's the plan? And I, oh, so there is a plan. <laughs> I don't like that. There's a lot of um, subtlety in, in the editing. Um, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, uh, Matt, what about, uh, what about you? I love the way they use the edits to... Um, learn the char- about the characters, see what they're doing. What, you learn about the characters through the edits, especially the Madagascar chase. You, <laughs> the choices they make in the action, and also in the edits, really make you f- see Bond and way he analyzes and looks for shortcut. First, he sees uh, Malacca going to the scaffolding and doing all the chase. So, what is he, he going to do? He's going to uh, create a way for like. To, to to explode up by up, um, away from the ground, mm. uh, fly almost by kicking the sort of the, I don't know what 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 the crane has, but some pipes he kicks them out. Right. So he sw- zips up, 
gets the gun thrown. But uh, the moment that I especially like, there's two. When he runs to the wall, I think it's just funny. But when uh, Malaka is sort of zigzagging between uh, the building, the scaffolding, and Bond is on top and is looking, what the hell? How, how am I going to catch this guy? And for a second, you see him, and he's sort of analyzing the situation. He's in the, he sees those little uh, sort of, uh, I don't know what you call those things, but they, it's sort of a platform that goes up, and it's sort of mm. as a compressor. He sees that, yeah, grabs, yeah, yeah. grabs a wrench, smashes it, and boom, he gets down. But you see the character thinking, and you see the camera, the edits showing the character thinking. So it informs the character that he's a character that's always going to look for a shortcut to get his way. He's not a character that's going... Mm-hmm. He's, he's sort of... A, I wouldn't call him a cheat, but he, he's very, he looks for opportunities that other people are going to, are, are not looking for. And, yeah. But also it's allowing, the edit is allowing the audience to, to pick up on those. It's, it's allowing enough time in the edit for the audience to sort of pick that hmm. up as well, um, which I'm sure we'll get to. But there's a couple, I've got a couple of examples in the next couple of Daniel Craig films where I feel the editing doesn't do that where the audience is just bonds reacting too quickly to to me as a viewer to for, for me to actually know what's what's happening which um speaking of other films i think this is a good segue <laughs> to move probably to the most uh, controversial uh, from an editing standpoint standpoint film in the entire franchise more mm. than dying day but dying day is uh you know, it's a masterclass in editing when you compare it to uh, Quantum of Solace. Quantum is uh, a movie that was probably edited by cocaine. Um, it's just cocaine, cocaine going by the name of Richard Pearson and Matt Chessing? 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 Chase. Chess? Chess? Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is, um, I, I, I kind of want Simon to take the lead on this one since you're the, the, the filmmaker, the, the, the truer filmmaker here. Um, what, what, what do you, where do we go from here? <laughs> wow. Well, Quantum Solid is probably the, probably the best example of being able to discuss editing, I guess, because it's so, because um, even people that don't really have much of an interest in, in, the the logistics of editing i think i think a majority of people even if you're not an editor i think a lot of people just came out of that cinema or on first Mm. viewing going i didn't understand what was happening visually it was just a blur everything was just a mess and Mm. and so so it's kind of probably a good example where as we talked about in the previous episode where i was saying that some of the best edits are invisible you're just swept up along the story where some of the worst edits are the ones that really stand out. And, and I think Quantum Solace is probably a good example of, of that, really, where it's mm-hmm. just um, has a very, uh, I'm going to be generous, say a bold editing style. <laughs> but That's nice of you. But generally, you, you're trying to convey information to, to the audience. And if the majority of your audience, if, say, seven out of your ten you know, you get 10 random people and seven out of the 10 all go, I didn't know where I was, what was going on. What mm-hmm. was. That's sort of a, a flaw in, in the storytelling, really. And that, and that 
I think comes down mm. to, the, to the editing. I, th I think the um, just because I've had some experience of I've worked on a film that's got a lot of criticism about the fast editing and the shaky camera and, and, and things as well. Mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to be just have a bit of context from sort of that side of things right. because the director was really into the Bourne style, the, the Saving Private Ryan style, and I'm not so much. Um, mm -hmm. But also the the issue that that we had at the time, we didn't really think about, oh, the, is the audience going to be confused? Because what, what was happening is we were editing the film and we knew the context of the geography of what we were editing because we were looking at the footage often very close to the screen you're editing digitally you're editing looking on a fairly small screen quite close up mm -hmm. and you're putting shots together that you know as, as a filmmaker because we were there or we've looked at the rushes we knew what the location looked like so then when it cuts to a different location we thought oh okay well we know and i think um and the, and the and the director wanted that sort of let's be generous kinetic style that oh it's, it's going to be it's going to be as if you are in a zombie attack because it's all chaotic and it, and it's kind of okay that's that's a choice and that's 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 the choice that you make but then you mm -hmm. but then suddenly you present that to an to an audience that don't know anything about the geography or, or aren't analyzing it frame by frame as we were when we were editing on a small screen mm -hmm. um so, so again from an editing point of view you're doing this stuff and you can pause the image you can go super slow you can um and so suddenly you pro project it onto a cinema or on a bigger yeah. screen people that have never seen it for the first time and they're just going i can't keep up i don't know what's going on we know where we are because we've we've mm -hmm. looked at the footage and i kind of wonder if that that was what happened obviously they were they were going off the green grass style and 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 all of those things but also the fact that yeah you're editing this stuff and you're so familiar with the material and no one really steps back to go to go okay but a first time viewer is just not, it's almost the, the brain isn't quite fast enough to cap to pick up on what's what's happening in the next shot and because there's there's an editing technique i don't know if matt's aware of this but sometimes in film schools and things there is an editing tech or a class technique that you if you watch a film and you click your fingers every time it cuts to a different shot so obviously if you're watching casablanca that's going to be a fairly slow editing pace because the cuts are slower and and it's just a way of, of then identifying the the edit where the edits come really and obviously if you're trying to do that for quantum of solace you're going to get arthritic fingers in the first five minutes because it, <laughs> there's there's shots in there that are that are for five frames or something there's the oh, one and it's and it's just chaotic really and and so yeah, so I suppose that that from an editing point of view is a massive failure because the audience is just just doesn't know where they go where they're going. But also, I think the other the other prop sort of let's let's say problem with with that film overall for the editing style is all the edit all the action scenes are edited in exactly the same way. They're all if if the opening car chase was edited in that very kinetic, chaotic, you're thrown into a car chase visual style. Mm -hmm. And then the foot chase wasn't quite as chaotic. And then the boat mm. chase, all the edits of the action scene are all edited in exactly the same way, which then becomes to me a, a bit boring, frankly. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I actually don't mind Quantum Solace and it's grown on me. The first time I saw it in the cinema, I had a worse cinema experience than when I saw Die Another Day because Die Oof. Another Day was kind, of, was kind of goofy, but I could tell what was going on. Well, 
whereas when I saw Quantum, it was just off the mm. back of the casino, and I was just going, I just have no idea where I am, what's going on, and there's a big screen, and I've just flashing images. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to sound as if I'm an old fuddy-duddy grandpa or anything, but it, it, Trust it was me, just... you're not. I had similar experience, and I think our listeners, uh, a lot of our listeners probably had similar experience in theaters. Yeah, and, and I think, and then, so the fact that, and then it cuts to a drama scene, and it's, and it's edited fairly conventionally in terms of Daniel Craig and Mathis mm-hmm. or whatever, they're, they're talking, and, and you can kind of see, it's not frenetic editing it's a bit more kind of traditional and then it cuts back to an action scene it just cuts to the exact same crazy editing style every half second there's a cut and then it's mm. in, and, and it just to me it gets a little bit where it, i've since subsequently the more i've watched quantum especially if i watch it at home and you can sort of see a bit more of the geography and i actually did an editing technique editing test where i actually slowed down the footage but kept the audio slightly dips kept the audio the same so you can actually see the shots just hold for a second or two longer and it's okay so that's what that car's doing at the beginning and that's what that skid actually means that that car's in the way you can sort start to piece it together and it's kind of well that's not really my job as an audience (laughs) to get the footage to slow it down change the netflix setting so you're watching it at a slower frame rate (laughs) so you can understand what's going on it's kind of that's not really the a successful editing job but but it does but then when i watch it again i can kind of understand and, and again from the from the, some of the bad reviews that we had for the zombie film which had the same oh it's really fast edited and this camera's really shaky and then when mm. i tried to re-edit darkest day for a re-release i was trying to pull that stuff down but the director was mm-hmm. going well i like that style and that kinetic style let's put it back in so it's kind of well all right that's that's your mm-hmm. call really but i was and we tried to tone it down but i was really trying to let it for me I'm, I'm a big fan of letting things breathe a bit more even in an action scene you have to let it mm-hmm. breathe enough to for the audience's brain to catch up with if they've never seen it the first time someone's seen something they don't know what's the next shot's going to be so yes yeah, so i think that was kind of possibly well just that's what happened when we when we made the zombie film and it had similar mm-hmm. criticism um and so i kind of wonder if that happened and obviously they were editing it very quickly and that kind of thing and yeah and it's a shame because i think with a re-edit, that film could be really some of the action scenes and some of the footage. I think is amazing. I love mm. the opening, the cinematography. I think of that film is really strong. I, I love the opening shot over the water, and it's all shot on thirty-five mil. Really, mm. some of the shots are really beautiful, good framing. But you don't get a chance to sort of oh, this is a nice shot. Oh, it's onto something else, and it's you just don't get a chance to soak into it. Whereas sometimes I think allowing a shot to linger a bit longer for the audience to sort of pulled into it really so yeah so that, those are my thoughts on the it's a uh, very eloquent and, and very very detail oriented we really got into a lot of the nitty-gritty there um I, it's funny that one of, I'm, I'm gonna bounce off of one of the last things you you sort of mentioned about you're as an editor and a filmmaker you like letting moments breathe including action sequences for all the the hoopla uh and and uh complaining uh, we can do about the action sequences and by all means we could do you know an entire episode a, a six-parter about how uh, our reservations about the action scene editing in that film and i think i've told matt maybe it wasn't you maybe it was emery or jason but the the clincher for me as to like how annoyed am i with the editing of this film just mildly annoyed or very annoyed the clincher for me 
that tipped it over to very annoyed is, and Matt, you can stop me if you've heard this one. It's not an action scene. It's later in the film as we're approaching the climax and Bond and Camille are, are um, no. I'm not doing reconnaissance. They're, they're sort of hidden behind the rocks in the desert. And obviously great podcast visuals. Uh, the camera is slow panning from left to right because we're, we're approaching Bond and Camille as they're, I can, you know. I can picture it in my mind. I'm closing my eyes. Go ahead. But we don't we don't let the pan finish. We cut to this freaking cars approaching. It's like you had a beautiful establishing shot in a beautiful location with, as you said, Simon 35 mil, a great panoramic widescreen. It was right there. It was our only one. It was our only one of this movie. And you cut away from it. it just that's that was the clincher for me. Like, no, this movie. I shouldn't say this movie sucks because, like you, Quantum of Solace has grown on me in the in, in the intervening years. But from the editing perspective, this movie's shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to echo some of the same sentiments uh, that you. So you don't get the time to process information in that film. It looks gorgeous if you can slow down the footage. Um, and I, 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 I think, I think Simon really uh, picked up on something. It's, it's, you know, they were trying to, and I, I, they, they, they were so focused. They knew the location probably, but you get sometimes in editing, you get, you get to a, you work, you work, you get to a, a level, and then you like you're watching your sequence. It's good, it's good. And then after after a while, you rewatch it, and you're like, you know what, I, I can. I can tighten this a little bit. I can tighten this. Then you, if uh, you're the editor of Quantum Solace, to do, I don't know what they did, cocaine, the Red Bull, whatever. But they, they, they had to get, you know, the, their blood was pumping so high that to get excited, they had to make the movie as confusing as possible for themselves so that the, you know, and they worked on it probably for a few weeks, months, whatever, so that when the audience gets it, it's just, it's a nightmare. Those few seconds, the, the, I think the first shot is a quarter of a second of Daniel Craig's here and I, it, it's, it's, it's senseless. And then there's a sequence that, uh, I rewatched before uh, recording that I, just the beginning of the, the the parkour chase in I think we're in Italy I don't remember, and there's cutaways to the horse race. Uh, I don't know, not even just when M gets shot for the first time, I realized oh, <laughs> she didn't get shot. Her stunt double walked away, and and Mr. White gets shot, and he looks quite dead for the first time. I'm like oh. I've, and it's a movie that, to be yeah. fair, I haven't rewatched in years. I'm waiting so to do the, the 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 podcast on on that film. But it is the information that you get is so quick that your brain doesn't have the time to process it, and it's 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 becoming your brain is fighting the movie. It's basically what it is. You you can't brain uh, is fighting the movie. I like yeah. that. It, it, you can't process the information and. Some of the the, the 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 some of the shots. There's a shot of Ben just sort of when he's with Mattis at his castle. He's just like looking at this, drinking his glass of wine. There's weird shots all <laughs> over the place like that, and it's yes. uh, it's so confusing. You don't know the the fight with uh, I don't remember the guy's name at the hotel. It's so quick. Like it it took me years to oh okay he gets he gets two stabs he gets one i think i'm not even sure he, <laughs> he stabs him in the leg and in the neck so that's why he bleeds him out and he holds him and he bleeds yeah. him out and but it happens right. so quickly 
and it's so you know it, it's almost looks immature like not immature um non-professional uh, if you look at yeah. I, I, i'm gonna bring batman begins because the fight sequences in batman <laughs> begins are horrendous thankfully yeah. nolan learned to to film action properly for for 50 cup 50 cups but the first fight 50 cups. Yeah, 50, 50, 50, 50 cups not one cuff, 50 cups. 50, 50 cups. He gets a fight with a bunch of goons in the mud, and you don't know what's going on. There's things moving. You're too close to it. And then there's a fight later in the movie when he's Batman, and uh, the goons, like, he asks Rachel Gould, uh, oh, can I beat two of your pawns? And he jumps on the guys, and it's, again, it's those quick cuts. You don't know what's going on. It's a nightmare to understand, and it's sort of it's it's to me it's a sign of a either the filmmaker because he, he didn't hasn't made he, no it's true he made World War Z and that's another movie that had a troubled uh, post production and has some uh, nose, <laughs> nauseating uh, editing at times. This is not a good track record. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of Mark Foster. I you know I, even though I came to appreciate Quantum a little bit more. Uh, as a director, I think his movies often look muddy and ugly. Like the, he did the Winnie the Pooh movie, and that movie looks unappealing to me. I saw that, I'm like, oh, that, that kind of looks gross. The, the doll looks raggedy and disgusting. Mm. Um, I'm, mm. not, I'm not a fan. So the editing in Quantum is. Fart noise. Interesting that, that just to pick up on top on subjects that both of you actually raised, um, really interesting because where you both mentioned the sort of the either am, slightly amateurishness of of the edit or the fact that you've got this unmotivated pan shot, panning shot where it sort of starts to pan and then you and then it cuts off and it almost sort of jar is feels quite jarring and that's actually quite a big. Big thing, cause just because having worked on a whole bunch of zero budget films and uh, sort of uh, amateur films, and and the films mm. that I've I've produced and directed are amateur films because basically it's got we've got no money and we're using amateur people. But and, and there is a big thing that I'm really not a big fan of, uh, which is quite an amateurish thing when you have what I would call unmotivated camera movement, where basically a, a a sort of a, a, a new student, a, a sort of a filmmaker, let's just mm -hmm. say myself, and, and it's, oh, my God, I've got a camera track, which is where you put the camera on a mm -hmm. little train track um, or, or a steady cam. So, oh, mm -hmm. I've got a steady cam. I'm going to use it. And then it just, the camera's just moving for no real reason. Whereas let's, on the flip side, you get, say, Steven Spielberg will have a, a motivated camera move. So the camera will pan or will, will kind of push in on someone's face to reveal... Mm -hmm them looking up at a dinosaur and it kind of has a reason for being there and it doesn't sort of pan into sam neil's face and then just cuts halfway through the shot is moving <laughs> um and and that's sort of what what often happens when you get a, a sort of an, an amateur filmmaker where they'll get a, a, a bit of equipment and they'll oh let's have the camera panning from left to right but because they're just sort of doing it for no real motivated reason and then when they're editing it, they just sort of splice it in and it just sort of cuts halfway through or, or the camera just sort of stops for no real reason halfway along the track. And, and that's happened. I mean, I've edited a few films where that's, there's been lots of those weird two characters will be having a conversation and the camera just starts moving for no real reason. Mm -hmm. And it, 
So, and it's not to say every shot has to be motivated, but if you're going to move the camera or have a steady cam shot or, or push in on someone's face, it has to have some kind of film language. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the, 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 uh, the, the edit itself, the, the, uh, the, the importance of the edit. It's also the motivation of, of, uh, of the direction of the, the, Film mm. itself, the shots. Yeah, like, where are you drawing if, your eye? Where is the where is the audience's eye being drawn? Yeah. And it's kind of why have one edit when we can have five, or why have why have the camera just? And, and I guess it comes down to planning as well, where you sort of plan. Okay, I think the camera should move across here to follow Bond as he looks across the horizon, or wh whatever the thing is. There is some kind of directional motivation to it. Sometimes you just have to wing it on the day, and you haven't got much time. It's kind of just grab the shot but again even in the edit it's then sort of then when you abruptly hard cut halfway through the, the camera moving it, it it feels quite jarring as opposed to say the camera moves from left to right um, and then it mm -hmm. comes to a stop and then you cut to what they're looking at or, or, or whatever and again it, i guess it depends on the flow of the scene but yeah it's interesting that you edgar pointed out that that shot where it's sort of pan, it's panning it feels as if it's the shot's not quite finished it's sort of halfway through a moving shot and then it cuts to something else. <laughs> and it almost feels kind of amateurish because it's kind of, oh, we, let's just have the camera move. Why? Oh, I don't know. Let's just have it move for, for well, energy. It's, it's moving in direction of where Camille and, and Bond are preparing for their final mission, their, their, their final battle, and they're hiding and they're cleaning their gun because it cuts back to them and they're crouched behind the rocks and they're not far from the hole. It's sort of like... It's a well-placed, well-shot, establishing shot. And we're, we're just about to meet, you know, oh, we're now in the desert. Where are Bond and Camille? Oh, they're hidden behind the, but we cut away. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I was just there. And which, which ponders the question for myself anyways. I'm curious to know what you, what you guys think. Uh, one of you two, you have to forgive me. I can't remember who. One of you two said, you know, the planning. You know, what's what's the planning like when you're editing these things? It might have been Simon. Um, it begs the question, well, how the hell does the uh, the opera, the, the chase, you know, when he, he he's running away through the 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 the, the cuisine, the kitchen, kitchen. You know, the, the kitchen, like, well, well, why does that work? Like, is that is that the only sequence they planned or was that a happy accident? I don't know. Because that's actually that's quick cutting that mostly works mostly hmm. works i do like that sequence you know yeah um, and it, was that an accident or i mean i, I have it from having had experience of both bigger budget things and lower budget films often happy accidents are kind of you sort of sometimes bodge these things even on bigger budget films and films gladiator for example was, all these ideas that seem threaded throughout the whole story were kind of kind of blagging it on the day and stuff but but i think with that mm. with that sequence in particular the yeah, the opera tosca sequence i think the other thing that really helped to me anyway helps that scene is the stylization actually seemed a there actually seems to be a purpose for that stylization as opposed to just having a crazy kinetic action scene it actually feels a bit more deliberate as if they actually made that decision at the time as opposed to making it in the edit room but also that scene has got from memory hasn't got any background sound it's more done as a montage where it's just mm -hmm. yeah and it's almost done as so again it has a very deliberate deliberately different visual style 
to a lot mm-hmm. of the other scenes in the film. So it does make it feel a bit more varied as opposed to just all the other scenes have got that sort of kinetic editing, but also the Foley and the sound atmosphere and all the music. It mm-hmm. it all feels more real world, whereas that is almost deliberately dreamlike intercutting with a dreamlike opera. So I, I kind of wonder if that helps it because it's a bit more, it has a bit more of a different, different style really um and yeah and it seemed more deliberate there's more slow-mo i think in memory as well so it sort of allows that it allows it so fast that i didn't notice the slow motion yeah it's hard to know if it's in slow-mo or if it's just my brain (laughs) really but um it's but it feels more i guess it feels more deliberately and it does feel as if mark forster's more interested in that scene somehow than i mean i guess a lot of the other scenes were directed by Dan Bradley, who is the second unit director, who mm-hmm. also did mm-hmm. Ultimatum and the Born Supremacy. So, it, again, it's almost that sort of Mark Forster does the drama and Dan Bradley does the action. Whereas I think some of the other directors that we've talked about, Martin Campbell or something, where even the second unit action feels part of the main fabric of the film, as mm-hmm. opposed to this very delineated, okay, here's an action scene, crazy editing, fast action. Mm-hmm. Fast crazy camera camera work cut to here's a drama scene everything's cut like a drama cut to an action Mm. scene chaos it just doesn't feel within the fabric of the overall film i suppose it feels very disjointed whereas the opera scene feels possibly more blended into the to the style of Mm -hmm. the the scenes around it i guess Um, you you mentioned about you know action scenes and or second unit director and editors and, and the director maybe not quite being on the same, that, that, not, it's not that they're not on the same page, but it, it feels like it in the edit anyways, where it's completely different styles. How about we we segue into, and I'm wondering, it's not the same editor, although Stuart Baird is back for one of these movies, but Inspector, it's Lee Smith. That being said, so Sam Mendes, uh, maybe we'll do it sort of Timmy Dean style, uh, but in this sense with the director, it's sort of like, it's the same director. And, and I feel, well, A, we have much more sensible editing for one, uh, especially in Skyfall, but I think Spectre as well. For, I, I'll get the ball rolling with this question and you're the editor, so I'm, I'm curious. It's not the same person, Stuart Baird, on uh, Skyfall and Lee Smith on Spectre, but it's the same director, it's Sam Mendes. I'm sure there are subtle differences, but I feel, I, if you had pop quizzed me and given me two, you know, it's a multiple choice question, you know, is it the same editor on Skyfall and Spectre? Yes or no? I would have circled yes, um, but the answer is no. Uh, so do, do you guys sense any difference between, and we'll talk about the actual style of these films, of course, as well, but do, do you, like, Matt, like, there's one sequence that to me screams that we have a new editor and I, I honestly, I don't know if you can, uh, blame, sort of put the merit on, on the editor or actually the VFX team. The opening shot of uh, Spectre compared to Skyfall, there's nothing like that. The one continuous shot with all the hidden mm. cuts, that's, and, and you know, it's, that's the uh, the uh, spark that eventually led uh, Sam Menes to make a 19, 
uh, is it 1917? That's the date yeah. this year. Yeah. That's the spark that led him to make that movie. Uh, and it's it's you know it's an interesting uh, creative uh, shot. Uh, Honestly, it's fun in the movie, but it doesn't serve anything. It's just there. You know, it's almost as if you, I have this idea for this movie, but what if I can get uh, Ian to pay for a test footage for that? So let's let's make one. And he sold them on this, this continuous shot and he said, oh, brilliant. Do it. And the, I, but I don't know if it's the editor that, you know, created that with a specific team or the VFX artist. It's, it's, un, it's, I'm unable to tell, but there's a difference. I also, I think some of the action beats, the action sequence are cut in a way that you, especially the, the, the Rome chase. I don't know if it's the direction of that or the editing, but it's a scene that always fails to get the blood pumping. I, I'm always bored by that sequence with Bond answering the phone, uh, playing with the gadget. There's some Frank Sinatra playing in the back in, in the car, uh, ambience. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy's not driving fast enough. It's, it's, it, and nobody seems to be concerned. The only one who seems to be in it is Dave Bautista because he's squeezing the car that he doesn't fit in. He's like, going like driving probably with his with his knees uh, stuck, to, stuck to his chest I'm like oh, I'm driving really fast it's really not comfortable and he Daniel Craig looks looks like he's on vacation during that sequence <laughs> like doop, 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 I'm driving I'm super spy man doop, 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 doop. And compared to, 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 to Skyfall, Skyfall has, you know, fun edits. There's uh, fun exchanges. The, the, the scene where Silva is revealed, you know, it's one continuous shot, but there's mm -hmm. no tricks there. It's it's all the actor. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's it, there's difference, but it, it seems like uh, the filmmaker behind the, the film group between movies, I think, uh, you know, Skyfall was probably is his first major big bl blockbuster. I mean, Road to Perdition, I don't know what the budget was, but it's probably uh, a quarter of uh, Skyfall's budget. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, 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 a, it's a guy learning the crafts of making a movie of that genre with effects, with multiple mm -hmm. units and different types of, uh, uh, you know, departments. And in Skyfall, it's it's a little bit more uh, he's a little bit more experimental and he's more confident and you know the the choices that are made in the edit sort of reflect that at the same time mm -hmm. i it, some of the sequence don't get the tension because i think the, the, the there was that change of editors and they don't seem to be as concerned with creating tension some of the action sequence are boring but also we we le recently learned all damage Daniel Craig was during the shoot like he could barely mm -hmm. walk he had a cast yeah. the entire time there's sequence when he's just piloting the plane driving the car and, but he's yeah doesn't look like he's giving a damn and <laughs> it's that's pretty much it for for Skyfall Inspector for me uh how about you Simon yeah well I'm a bit reticent woe betide to say anything critical about Skyfall, because I know that's got such a reverence for people. It's sort of yeah, watch out now. You yeah, mean the movie where Bond fails at everything for like yeah, two hours? Exactly. 
Um, so, but I, I, I mean, firstly, I think Skyfall is a, in terms of the editing, is a, is a, I think, a very uh, deliberate reaction to to the criticism of Quantum of Solace. I think it was very, I think it, it was a very conscious style to go. Okay, the majority of people, it's fair to say, didn't appreciate the visual style of Quantum. Mm. Let's scale it back to a more classical yeah. style of editing. Um, and um, in, in relation to Sam Mendes and the, the editing, and, and Matt touched on it already, um, where maybe it's because of his background in stage as well, but, but also I do wonder if there's a bit of a... I know Alfred Hitchcock used to notoriously only shoot exactly what he wanted, so it almost didn't give the editors any malleability over the film it was just sort of very constructed mm. and similar with um the empire strikes back i know Irvin kirshner would shoot a lot of these scenes with a lot of um intricacy within the scene so it's very hard for then george lucas to start re-editing the scene <laughs> and it's kind of a director thing where you want to put your stamp on it you don't want the edit the edit to take over and i do think there's a quite a lot of that in both Sam, both of Sam Mendes' two films, where obviously, as was mentioned, the silver reveal is all one shot. You've got the fight scene with the blue background or one shot. You've got oh, these beautiful. long um, sequences and, and obviously get to Spectre as well. But And there's a steady cam shot going through the Hong Kong, uh, the Macau Casino, which is a one mm. shot, I think, but it's following oh. on a steady cam. So it's almost as if he's, he's filming or directing scenes to then have a lot of control over well it can only be edited in this way you can't <laughs> too crazy to my to my vision if, if you like and um and yeah so that's something i re i really noticed where there is almost a I, I i don't know i mean i don't want to start passing judgment about sam mendes or anything but there is definitely sometimes i do feel that sense of okay He's making a Bond film, but he's also trying a bit, sometimes maybe a bit too hard to put his own stamp on it. Mm. I don't, I don't want to have the gun barrel doing the normal thing. I want to put my own take on it. I'm not going to have it iris out <laughs> onto the parade, or I, or I'm not even going to have the gun barrel because he's already walking at the end of a corridor or whatever. And uh, I don't know. There is a bit of a. Again, I don't want to pass judgment on on Sam Mendes, but to me, there's a little bit of a pretentiousness in in his direction. Whereas I, I can't imagine Martin Campbell would just be kind of, yeah, the gun barrel, put it in the beginning, and then um, mm. you know, I'm not mess around with the formula too much. And and yeah, as, so as I mentioned, it, it's, it's sometimes there's these long takes that then don't leave much mm -hmm. leeway to to things being changed in post production. Um, yeah, and, and, and I suppose, suppose that's something that I, I've thought about a little bit in relation to the edit, but also getting back to a point where we were talking about before, where Bond, as Matt was talking about Casino Royale with the foot chase, where there's shots of Bond looking, scanning, okay, I'm going to switch that thing or I'm going to jump on that thing, and it, and it allows the audience mm -hmm. for a bit of time to, to get his thought process. And for me, there's a couple of bits in Skyfall, and again, I'm not, I don't want to rag on the film or anything, but there's a couple of bits in Skyfall where Bond reacts as if he's already knowing exactly how the action scene's going to take place even though he's never actually been in for example with him jumping on the bottom of that lift in uh, in shanghai he 
he hasn't mm-hmm. even seen the bottom of the lift and he sort of jumps up onto the little footwell thing and just jumps into a lift shaft and just grabs the bar underneath mm-hmm. the lift and there's not a moment of him just stopping and looking and going okay what am I going to do it just sort of does it as one fluid motion without even having seen the bottom of the lift and it's just little things like that which is just it feels just I'm not going to say it's better or worse or just different to the say the example that we had with the foot chasing casino it has it shows his thought process a bit more to allow him to plan okay I'm going to do that and I'm going to jump on that and if I jump on that I can leap onto that lift mm-hmm. but it does it because he's read the script as opposed <laughs> to- interesting uh, that's not the vibe i get from that example, moment, but a different example between those two action scenes that have a similar um it's a hmm. it, bond planning something to to do a shortcut as, as was mentioned mm-hmm. but just a, a very different execution of the same set piece really so that was just mm-hmm. a, an observation that i made to me they have a very different feel to even though the other three daniel craig films obviously will come to no time to die shortly but the other three daniel craig films out of his five all directed by very about three different people um but they all have a but the sam mendes too have a very to me a very different feel in terms of the action scenes and, and as matt i think mm-hmm. mentioned, he'd obviously not had a big budget film and dealt with large-scale action and, and in fairness not, neither had mark forster but there is uh, a style to the action in the three daniel craig films not directed by sam mendes which i think is fairly consistent and and the style of the two sam mendes ones are consistent yeah. with themselves but there is more of a not exactly a slower pace but there is a, 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 sl- a slower energy maybe mm-hmm. something about them that have a bit more of a and i'm not saying i'm not saying that they're they're boring or anything but there is a slightly more uh low lower key feel even the action scene at the beginning of skyfall with the oh we're, we're on a train we're on a motorbike we, we, it, obviously a lot of stuff going on but it still has a slight has a certain pace and energy which i think mm-hmm. is quite different to say mm-hmm. the parkour chase uh, for, for the for the intro of casino Raff, for example um yeah i just, I just think it's very interesting and 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 sometimes there there is a there's a few structural things which could could just be as much in the screenplay as well as the as well as the editing but i I do think there is a few elements for me that in terms of the finale of skyfall that um i don't think quite for me and obviously the film made a billion dollars so what what do i know But there is a few elements towards the end, and I'd be interested to hear your your both of your thoughts on this. But for me, the the way that they incorporate Silver and Bond to, together, or or not much seen together in in the finale of Skyfall, and the fact mm-hmm. that they sort of ratchet up, or, or to me, don't quite ratchet up the tension enough. For Bond spends a lot of time in the finale of Skyfall having these sort of segmented action scenes with a bunch of faceless random goons that I've never don't even know what their names are mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of pushing the story cranking up tightening the screws uh, I think last time we spoke about acceleration and deceleration and it feels as if you're building up to the finale of of the silver m bond showdown and it seems to spend to me quite a lot of time with bond not really interacting with silver that much he's either doing his mm-hmm infamous home alone sequence um slash straw dogs um but most people say it's home alone um 
and that's all a bunch of random goons that we've never even seen and then there's whole and then he's fighting some guys in this scottish moors and then he's under the ice fighting a guy that we've never seen before and and, and mm-hmm. it almost seems to sort of to me anyway slightly divert bonds uh agency within building up that story to when's they're gonna and you've got the kind of so it's all so part of me is kind of oh it's ratcheting up the tension because silver's getting close to him and he's following them to the church mm. and then it have a two or three minute scene of bond fighting a guy on the ice and then he's under the ice and it seems to slightly deflate the ratcheting of tension for me which, which slightly doesn't quite feel as if it's got his foot on the gas in the final final mm. of the, but that could just be as much script but yeah it's just interesting that they, there's in the final third of the film, there's not actually many scenes of Silver and Bond facing off together. And, and you could argue that it's Silver and M is the the meat of that story. But it seems weird to slightly sideline Bond fighting a bunch of random goons. So that's just kind of an interesting observation in terms of the editing of that final structural chase for the big conclusion. So I'd be curious to see what you both think of that. Um, I, I kind of see your point, but at the same time, you you have the uh, problem, and you know that movie, especially the ending, has so many problems. As far as I'm concerned, kind of fits with a theme that Bond is a loser. But um, if he catches up to uh, to Silva, he's gonna kill him. So you can't have him interact too much with Bond. But at the same time, how do you create tension? These obstacles are they're not fun challenges that, that they're, they're more an annoyances. Like, oh, I, mm-hmm. I got guys shooting at me. I'm going to shoot them. Oh, I fall in the water. I'm just going to choke him with my leg. Uh, <laughs> you know, and if, at least if they had a recurring goon, that, yeah, that's a, it's a problem with the movie. They're, tr- they're trying to build tension to delay the mm-hmm. inevitable, but at the same time, it's, it's not fun. And at the end, it's, you know, one does, yeah, yeah, he, he, he saves M from being shot in the, in the head, but at the same time, she croaks of the wounds she sustained earlier mm-hmm. in the film. So, so it's, it's an issue I have with the film because everything that Bond does, he fails at in the end. Like, catches mm-hmm. Silva, uh, loses, they lose him later. Uh, escapes to a, a safe place. Turns out they don't they don't have any guns. Um, tries <laughs> to save M uh, at the last ditch moment. Oh, turns out she's already dying. Yay! What a fun movie! What a fun action adventure movie! Your hero oh. is a loser. Yeah, I, 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 they're all fair points, Simon. You, you, you made some fair points, Matt. You've made some fair points. I, I don't really have many. How should I, how do I want to say this? I don't have many issues with Skyfall, or it's final third, I should say, it's final act. Uh, My predominant issue is the fact that the wound that uh, sends M from this world to the next is is not at Silva's hands, but at some random, but that's, if if it had been Silva shooting her and, and missing, but still getting her in the gut, and then she she bleeds out well at least that's something but yeah really i mean he he sort of uh, got his wish but he's not the one who did it that's really my big issue as far as the lack of of um a tete-a-tete between bond and silver you actually kind of beat me to the punch in 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 your uh, 
in your argument earlier, Simon, it is an M Silva rivalry, and and Bond is more that annoying bug in the middle. In fact, I would say if I'm going to boost my own counterpoint even more so, it's in the film itself where when Bond is um, you know trapped on the ice and you know Silva's like all this running and jumping, exhausting. Like he's just, I'm not here. If I'm Silva and and you two are playing Bond, I'm not here for you. Stop it, okay? You take care of this motherfucker. I'm going to go get my target right now. See you never. Like that's almost Silva's attitude towards Bond throughout the the, the film, I suppose. So I don't have many issues. In fact, something I like even more about the final act and I'll close, I'll close my Skyfall uh, uh, bubble on this is that he, I find that the final act of Skyfall proves that Sam Mendes is, a, is an anti-John Glenn uh, insofar as we understand the passage of time. You know, it's afternoon, it's dusk, it's night. Whereas John Glenn would have been like, what's well, the afternoon? Now the sun is rising. What? <laughs> uh, so I do appreciate that. And there's another nice passage of time. I like, apparently, I like my passage of time cuts, uh, where it's when Bond is enjoying death and he's at the bar and he even does the little, like, oh, another round, everybody. And then it cuts to him. He's still at the bar the next morning, completely sloshed. Um, that's a very nice cut. So he's the anti John Glenn, is how I'll put Sam Mendes, as far as passage of time is concerned. Uh, we haven't really talked that much about Spectre. I think most people like Skyfall more than Spectre. Are there any Spectre points we want to get into? And I think Matt covered a lot of the points that I was going to to say. I think there is a again, it's um, there is a sluggishness to to a lot of the a- action beats, and I think the editing maybe doesn't help that as well. I think it's quite a long film, and it's got a bit of a portentous, heavy vibe. Portentous. There is almost fun in that in that movie mm. um and obviously there's some of the plot elements that i think a couple of a couple of the actors have gone on record of saying mm, i wasn't really sure about that at the time and mendes was going no we've got to have a personal connection to bond and blah 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 uh but whatever that's that's kind of by the by but so yeah so i think uh, uh, there's a number of factors that that maybe don't help the the thrust of the narrative and the thrust of the editing mm. in, in that film for me um i, I don't dislike the film and and uh, i think they both have for me some script problems and i think the editing hasn't doesn't help with some of the elements of spectre maybe Uh, but yeah i haven't really got much much more to to say about that i mean it's it's one of those things obviously taking no time to die out of the equation they could well have completely edited out the half brother thing that i think the majority of people aren't really that big of a fan of and it wouldn't have affected mm. the story in any way. I mean, the, even the, the way they, they, Christoph Waltz and Daniel Craig act the scenes together, you don't, to me anyway, I don't ever get the sense that they've ever met each other no. growing in the past. There's no real connection. There's no real bickering of, oh, this is someone I've known that I didn't like when I was a kid. Mm. They could have just completely severed that whole plot element. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have affected the, the drama in any way. Um, so, so a few things like that. There's a few examples of right. things like that where there's some sort of stuff. I mean, uh, obviously, we're not here to talk about the half brother element, but that's obviously a sticking point <laughs> for a lot of people. But it's just interesting from an editorial mm. point of view to 
fact that it doesn't have any real bearing on the story because obviously there's the whole yeah. thing a lot of people say oh it's stupid he's just set up spectre to get back at his kind of adopted brother and it's kind of not really that either so it's sort of yeah so it sort of slightly falls between the, the stalls of that, that might silver m kind of deal where it's, it's all about me getting vengeance on this person mm. so so yeah you could almost make the case if you really want to take uh, even more of the piss out of Spectre, is a, which is a funny choice of words considering the color uh, grading. But uh, if you want to take the piss out of Spectre, is um, further to your point, Simon, about well, the editing isn't making it clear how much uh, Bond and, and Franz Blofeld uh, know each other or not, or sort of, or a little bit, but haven't seen each other in 30 years, um, is the fact that maybe the editing could have used a little bit more, or, or maybe not a little bit less, a little bit more, because if people came away, and we know there are, there are people that came away from that film with the thought of, oh, so Blofeld set up Spectre just to get back at Bond, and you just pointed out, well, no, that's not real. I mean, that's sort of like the bonus point of setting up Spectre, but that's not the point of Spectre. But if that's what people got out of that movie, then yeah, there might be something wrong in the editing. You Maybe you, you, you um, cut away from a bit of dialogue that would have clarified that. We don't, well, I mean, we don't know. We weren't there on set and we didn't, uh, I, I did not read the, uh, I never read the script that was leaked in December of 2014, but but it gets you wondering that, and, and I think that goes to, to in, in one way, there are many ways that demonstrate the, important, the importance of good film editing, but one of the ways that demonstrates <laughs> bad film editing and why good film editing is important is people walking away saying, well, okay, so Spectre exists to kill Bond. But I mean, that wasn't really the point. That there's something wrong with the movie if that's what you got out of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, no. think, I, I think the general consensus is that there's a something wrong the, with the movie. So, uh, yeah, oh well. But uh, shall we? I mean, I, I almost feel bittersweet saying this. Shall, shall we move on to our final film? No time to die. The death of James Bond, right? Spoilers. Spoilers. We got Elliot Graham. It's the ending of uh, both this podcast and the yeah. Daniel Craig. Yeah. 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 It's been, uh, what can I say? It's been a final ascent. It is the final ascent. It is. It's been a thrilling uh, 38 hours uh, recording this, this episode with you two. Uh, we have Elliot Graham and Tim. Did I say gross or cross? Cross. Uh, edited no time to die can't read I'm, i have a doctor's handwriting cross there. tom cross and elliot cross. Um, there's a lot to edit here uh i i am wondering what's the, you know there's always a, you know oh they showed a four-hour version of the batman which is three hours to begin with you know we're talking about a two-hour and 43 minute long minute long bond film like what are the deleted scenes on that film like so lots to talk about here uh, where where do we want to start, uh, Simon? Well, it almost feels as if it's the other way, where it feels as if I don't know if there is much meat on the bones in terms of the deleted scenes, because it sometimes felt to me they were they were almost 
not exactly missing scenes, but they were mm. certainly in relation to to Rami Malek and Safin. It felt almost as if they were squeezing out. We've only got him for twenty five minutes, so let's sort of try and incorporate. Maybe I don't know. For me, it felt as if there was possibly missing a few scenes that they could have actually had with with um, with him and Bond, for example, or more of the psychological back and forth that we often get so brilliantly in Bond films. And uh, and some scenes, I I wonder, and again, this is just total speculation, but for example, the scene with Cyclops and Madeline with the T, mm-hmm. I felt as if that might have been written to be intended to have Safin there, mm-hmm. creepy and menacing, and then he, Rami Malek could only do a certain amount of days and had to prioritise, so they sort of retconned it with... with the, I, I don't know, that's just total speculation, but it does mm-hmm. feel as if there's some scenes within the final third of that film that almost were had to be slightly changed more in production than, than editing, um, which I think is possibly a shame, but, it, but also a real testament to the editing in the fact that there was one scene where Rami Malek and Daniel Craig weren't even in the same set on the same set at the same time. And they still mm. created a scene of them backwards and forwards together. And that's the kind of stuff that I have done in my zero budget <laughs> movies where yeah. it's a bodging, Bodging whip panning between two shots of the actors filmed a month apart and mm. making that seamless. And that's that's not a $250 million Eon produced movie. That's my cobbled together movie. So it's pretty funny that he's kind of seeing these editing tricks still being incorporated in, into there. But the overall editing, obviously, it's a, it's the longest film to date. And um, but also it to me it doesn't feel long or certainly the times that i've watched it um mm. I, I there was never a point where i was found myself getting bored or getting tired or, or, or any of those things it seemed to move at a real clip um I, I, I would argue maybe there were some scenes towards the finale that possibly had a bit of a tomorrow never dies aspect where there was a lot of a bit too much running around and shooting and i was mm-hmm. a little bit unclear about Okay, who's trying to kidnap who? The kids escaped, but the kids trying to be kidnapped by Safin, and he's trying to get to there, and she's trying to get to that thing, and he's trying to escape the island. But is he trying to? But is the you know, there's a bit of that mm-hmm. maybe been fleshed out, and possibly a, a bit of the sort of a bit more clarity with with mm-hmm. with those things. But I think the action scenes and the and some of the dramatic tension scenes, I think, are really effectively effectively done in in that film, in particular the pre-title sequence, both the Safin mask scene and then the Matea stuff I think is mm-hmm. really really exciting really well put together and it also feels feels really fresh I think we talked maybe about Moonraker where there was these horror elements mm. incorporated into the the dogs in the woods and things I think the horror elements incorporate really well into No Time to Die and that feels quite new and fresh but it still also still feels suitably bondian as well so i think they right. they got a really good balance about there so yeah so i'm 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 a big fan of 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 that film especially as we talked about with specter maybe being a little bit less pulse pounding mm-hmm. no time to die did a really good job of of the visual both the visual style in terms of the the post production color grade being less yellowy and less drab oh, in some God, yeah. and no time to die has a much more of a a, a dynamic visual style, uh, lots of dynamic range of the colours, and to me the editing is just has a bit more oomph and energy 
than a lot of those. So yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of the editing of, of that film. Monsieur Claire. Ooh, moi, moi. Talk to uh, me, baby. Um, now, if, I, I, when I edit, I tend to favor making, uh, you know, I, I don't want to waste anyone's time. So I tend to favor tight edits and I prefer movies that have a tight edit. And I found that, you know, as much as I love No Time to Die, I've seen it multiple times now, and I I, I love it. I there are things you know they, there are things that irk me. Uh, that ending, you know, I'm I'm ambivalent about. But there are things they could have trimmed. There's some fat that you know that mm-hmm. that pre pre title sequence. Everything that happens <laughs> with Saffin and and Madeline to me could easily be removed because they talk about it endlessly after the, for the rest of the film. So <laughs> you don't need to see it because uh, they talk about it. Either they don't talk about it or you, and you see it or, or you, show, you, you mm-hmm. don't show it and they talk, you talk about it, but both of them. And there are, bizarrely, there are other information that you find out only by dialogue. Most of Satin's background is explained very quickly off and you never, you know, I know there, there are sequences that I really uh, enjoy that are fun and well shot and well cut together. The, the uh, fight, uh, the battle in uh, Cuba uh, with, with uh, the character of, uh, what's her name? Um, Paloma. Paloma is very fun. It's the highlight for me. It's the highlight of the picture. Uh, you never, mm-hmm. you, you never get that energy back. But there's a funny. I don't know if they did it on purpose, but it's a funny edit. When you first see uh, uh, what's what's the name in the city in Italy, Matera. There's a funny sh- the shot. There's a shot you're sort of following. It's probably all CG because you see the the, the, the Aston Martin sort of veer turn and you see Matera. Mm-hmm. And I, I it seems like. The, the car has suddenly driven very, very fast because you sit in the <laughs> yeah. foreground and she's, it, it's almost comical. I was like, is, 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 is this, uh, where's Leslie Nelson? Um, it, it's comical mm. to me. I'm like, mm. it, it, the first time I saw it, I'm like, but, but mm. Mm. it's kind of silly, but it's, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's just me. Um, the, but yeah, it's, it's too long. There, there are sequences that uh, could easily be trimmed. There are moments I'm like, oh God, uh, can this go f- less forever? I mean, there, there's a lull. <laughs> no, but there's less a lull forever. in the movie. I, 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 honestly, everything in London slows the movie down. I would have, I, I wish they found a way to accelerate that portion. Uh, do I need th- a three hour Bond movie? Not nearly three hour Bond movie. Not necessarily. I like my movies. You know, I like, to be in and out. I don't. I I, I don't like being my, my butt being numb or needing a diaper. Mm. I mean, even the Godfather. Mm. How long is the Godfather? It has an intract. Uh, you can. When we saw a re-release, the uh, no, not a release, but uh, a screening of mm. the Godfather Part Two. There was a break in between. It's they still yeah. had the break. Why? If you're gonna do a three-hour picture, can we have a break so we can go to the bathroom, stretch our legs, and be comfortable? Mm. Um, it's it's as, it, yeah. to me, it's asking too much for from an audience that came for what is ostensibly popcorn entertainment. I, my popcorn entertainment mm. for me is light and fun, and a three-hour picture to me says Gandhi or uh, Schindler's <laughs> List. 
Titanic. Not Titanic, not James Bond. It should be a tighter mm. film. You, know, you can go over the over overboard and um, remake Quantum Solace, another Quantum <laughs> with uh, crazy editing. But there's, you know, two hour and fifteen minutes, two hour and thirty when it warrants it. But uh, mm. not every film needs to be that length. And uh, the No Time to Die could, you know, maybe didn't have. Their scissors weren't sharp enough, but I, to me, it's mm. uh, it's an overindulgent editing job. Uh, it's some somebody mm-hmm. needed to go back and see. We need they needed to tighten elements because it gets it, 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 it's too long. And no 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 Bond movie, no popcorn entertainment movie needs to be three hours. I'm looking at you, Avengers Endgame. Also, <laughs> would you just as a just as a discussion point? Would you say that um because it got me thinking about when you mentioned about obviously bonds but avengers man of steel or what have you do you mm-hmm. do you feel that overall it's almost become part of the as a big budget action movies have almost become too well too long but too sort of bloated important and, and kind of have to warrant a certain length if it's going to be considered a big scale epic action movie it's almost kind of i was just trying to, i was just as you were so talking about mm. those things I was, I was remembering as um i mean it's crazy because Ro- the, the original robocop film the paul verhoeven one is 92 minutes long i mean it's oh, just so, <laughs> perfect and, and even die hard i mean die hard's i think one hour 50 or something and, and mm. but, but even just some of those types of movies and jurassic park is under two hours and it's almost Kind of seems quaint now you've got kind of a, a summer blockbuster action movie men in black is 92 minutes i think and 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 just thinking about <laughs> the the equivalent of of a summer blockbuster now as you say they're generally pushing two out two and a half hours mm. plus mm. plus 20 minutes of adverts plus getting to the cinema and all, all the rest of it so sometimes it is almost kind of i do wonder if big films now kind of have to pad these things out not say no i'm not saying they they have to pad them out but it's almost it, they, it's a they, weird they have no uh, technological limits back then they had no reels <laughs> they had they, they they had physical limits and i i feel like we need to force filmmakers to make films uh you know to our a two-hour movie is, is 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 reasonable 90 minutes to me is um it's a it's a tight it forces the filmmakers to make a tight movie but anything anything above two hours you really need to warrant then and 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 you know justify that plant uh and i feel no time to die at times it, it doesn't warrant that there's stuff that you could remove or rework and that like the entire pre-pre-title sequence to me is as as beautiful and creepy as it is not not an essential only for it to have the mask mm. show up later, you need that scene. You could have found something else. Yeah, the, the, you know. After that, there's uh, so much time. You know, the, the, everything in the beach with with uh, with Bond and Madeline. If you remove the pre pre title, you cut that part out, and you just have mm. her writing La Masque, and you find out at at the scene you don't even need to show the mask uh, uh, before mm. you just, 
it's it's completely you need you can make that movie tighter and i feel I, it it would flow better you know there are people mm-hmm. that are gonna swear by it and say that Kari Fukunaga is a is a genius but you know what we may know someone yeah i know <laughs> brilliant I know. brilliant yeah it's it's <laughs> brilliant but somebody doesn't mean it's perfect and, and you, you you can't judge uh, uh you know i'm suggesting an idea that I honestly won't waste my time doing because I, I got better things to, to do than re-edit. <laughs> no time to die. I'm just saying what I feel as somebody mm. who dabbles in video editing and video production and filmmaking. But uh, tell us how you really feel, though. <laughs> if you, yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. Also, I wonder how much of that was the... Uh, I don't know if indulgence is the right word, but I'll just use that as sort of just to jump it off right, with the obviously the indulgence of wrapping up Daniel Craig's mm-hmm. run and him being so uh, having, I, I, I suppose, more control over the film. And you've had some very Skyfall being particularly successful and, and it's almost it's almost created a sort of indulgence to wrap up the world. It, it, sometimes it almost feels as if it's wrapping up the character of the actor of Daniel Craig as opposed to the character of James Bond, arguably in that in that film. And to me, it, um, I mean, I never had a problem with with the whole Bond dying aspect of the end, but it did for me. It felt almost more of, of Daniel Craig, yeah, metaphorically dying from that role of going, "See, journalist, you don't have to ask me anymore about am I going to do another one." Um, and and, it, and even so far as as um, in the wrapping up all those films from from before for a complete clean slate because you've pretty mm-hmm. much used all the Fleming material at that point and all the sort of cubby elements and it almost felt as if it was a real full stop of of that whole section and, and which possibly mm-hmm. then not saying this is better or worse but maybe that did create a bit of an indulgence of this is a real swan song for the whole franchise and the whole swan song. Yeah. Madeline swan song. And uh, that, that was a title of her name. Um, but th- this whole sort of wrap up of the Daniel Craig franchise of mm-hmm. Bond the franchise itself. I mean, the fact that you, mm. um, obviously Casino was a, was a fresh reboot, but just this whole sort of, uh, and as has been talked about, I mean, whether, how much is true and I don't know but in terms of Mickey G possibly stepping back and a lot of mm. the old school yeah. people stepping away um and it so it did almost feel as if it was a closure of of that whole thing of and I, and I and I think that can sometimes get in the way of um the the legacy of the franchise or the legacy of the character I think can kind of get in the way of the actual story I mean I think the Dis- Disney mm-hmm. Star Wars films fall into that trap of you've got characters reacting to, say, the character of Han Solo they've only just met. And we, the audience, know he's this important mm-hmm. character. But in the reality of the film, you've got characters who've never met him suddenly reacting, oh, my God, it's how Han Solo played by Harrison. Mm-hmm. Some, some scruffy dude that you've met two days ago. And yeah. Oh, God. So yeah, don't, don't create... A weird precedence where you've got the legacy of the franchise is almost too important to the mm. to the storytelling, um, and I suppose maybe that 
possibly happen with Bond and even with Skyfall to some extent where you had you had the reboot, Casino, Quantum, and then you have Skyfall. He's this legacy character that everybody knows and he's got this history and right. this weight. And, and I see it as more of a spiritual sequel to the other films as opposed to a literal sequel to the other films. But you've got this kind of legacy of the character and let's celebrate the character of Bond but in the timeline, mm. you've only he's only done two missions, both of which he hasn't done particularly well. So. <laughs> it's it's like you're missing a, a couple of films in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, the ending of uh, No Time to Die feels like a contractual uh, obligation <laughs> negotiation. I'm only coming back if you're killing him this time, Barbara. That's I just want to die. Just I just want to die. Oh god. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're 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 wrong, Matt. You're wrong. Haven't you oh. heard in that taxi cab ride in Berlin after Casino Royale premiere? That's when he said it. So you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, right? God, you're yeah. Real, you're not a real Bond fan. Uh, I'm not a real um, Bond fan. It's true. I haven't uh, spent four years doing this show. <sighs> it's, it, it, this is, I mean, No Time to Die is an interesting one, uh, even with respect to the editing. Uh, I'm listening to you guys go go at it positively and, and negatively on, on this movie. And I suppose I, 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 I'm the boring person. I, I guess I land somewhere in the middle. Um, does a Bond movie need to be borderline three hours? Absolutely not. Do I agree with what you said in your opening statement, Simon, about it's almost three hours, but it doesn't feel like it. It sort of just clicks along. I agree with that too. So it's one of those... Is there, is there an issue? Well, if there's an issue, what's the issue? I don't know, because I don't feel like there's an issue, but why is this two hours and 43 minutes long? It, it's a bit of a funny one. Um, no time to die. As for the, I, I like what you did there, Matt, the pre-pre-title sequence. Um, I, I, I suppose, I'm not Carrie Fukunaga, but I, I suppose what they're trying to go for, although it pads the running time, is is the puzzle piece game almost like who's this person i don't know and then uh, yeah but again uh, you're asking me who's that person i still don't know <laughs> well we know a little bit more he's the son of a specter poison agent poison assassin like we do figure out a, a little bit more more at the end but um although yeah. to me it um, asked more questions because how long has been specter been around that they had their own personal poisoners with a giant island compound did, did, yeah. did well i think now now we get into i mean i appreciate the i do it, it's 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 a cool question at the same time at at some point as a as a not just a movie watcher but as a bond fan i have to go like you know what it's a bond movie some questions just aren't important <laughs> yeah yes specter has always been around and they've had poison assassins. Just go with it. So th that kind of stuff doesn't really bother me. But but again, I'm I'm stuck in the middle. I appreciate the mystery that whether they're successful or not, I, I appreciate the mystery they're attempting to build around Safin. It also leaves us with a two hour and forty three minute long movie. So I don't know. Uh, I I'm 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 ambivalent towards. I love the film. But this is an editing episode. I'm I'm kind of ambivalent 
towards No Time to Die. I think Cuba is edited brilliantly because the fight is taking place on multiple levels. It's taking place inside the club. It's taking place out. Well, the, the end takes place outside the club. There are a lot of variables going on. There's Obrachev. For a few moments, there's Primo. We have two agents kicking ass. They stop for that little, oh, we still need the car. Cheers, you know. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in that sequence, and I think it comes along quite well. And then there's Madeline Swan's uh, psychiatrist office in London, where there's no sound, there's no music, and it's like a five-minute-long conversation. And even though there's no background sound, you still have to peer your ears to make out what Safin is saying. It's like, what is, uh, what's going on here? <laughs> what, mo what movie are we making? Um, yeah, I guess I'm, it's a boring answer. I apologize to you two and our listeners. I guess I'm ambivalent. I'm, I'm not sure what to make of the editing of No Time to Die because I don't feel, it doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. Do I want another three hour long Bond movie? No, I don't. <laughs> I never want another one again. <laughs> I don't know. There's a, there's an, uh, I'd be kind of interested in, in hearing both of your views, if, whether you, this is something that you picked up on, because there's a, there's a, a particular edit in No Time to Die that a couple of people have mentioned, and it didn't really register massively to me. I can sort of see it was there, but it's the sequence after Daniel Craig's in the, in the raft. So after mm -hmm. Felix has, has died and the boat sank and then he gets into a raft and he's floating, mm -hmm. he gets picked up by a boat. And then it hard cuts to him in London whipping off a, a, mm -hmm. a, a cloth, a cover over his Aston Martin. And I think a lot of people thought that was quite a, a jarring, felt as if some, I think some, several people have mentioned that they felt could have been a bit of a transitional scene. Um, it doesn't bother me because it kind of moves it moves the story pretty quickly but some people sort of noted that as a bit of a jarring edit and i was just wondering if that had either registered on, on either of you two or what your thoughts are on it it you know it takes a second to readjust but not that's it i think you just need to adjust and like oh he got to london he took the boat and um, found mm. his way back to london i and, and he's back home and he's got his pretty car and he's got a cases of bollinger <laughs> boulanger uh boulanger. champagne in his garage that's uh that's pretty much it I, I i'm surprised i'm shocked that people to me it's something that maybe in the 1920s when movies were like recent and people were afraid of being you know there's that that the the the, the train oh, yeah, shot yeah, yeah. like oh no the train's coming right at us it's gonna hit us or the guy that shoots at the camera oh no he's shooting at us that's to me it's yeah you need to wow man <laughs> pick pick your battle but i don't think a quick mm. uh, edit like that he found a mode of transportation and he's back to london boom i don't need I to am... see him on the boat mm. waiting uh, playing cards, shaving, drinking. Well, yeah. Hitchcock, Hitchcock famously said logic is dull in a movie. And if you show all the minutiae of, of mm. oh, yeah, I need to buy my train ticket. I need to stand in the queue and I need to do this. It's, right. yeah. He's whole, clever, whole... that Hitchcock uh, fellow. Yeah, yeah apparently, he, apparently he knows how to make a film. Um, <laughs> but, He's um, made a couple good ones. Yeah. Uh, so so in these in movies where you people just get out of a taxi and then no one ever pays and stuff like that and it's kind of well mm -hmm. fine or you have a scene that takes another 30 40 seconds of oh here's here's 
twenty dollars, and oh, okay, let me just get some change. And it's, it's kind of all, how how far do you go with the verisimilitude of of capturing some sort of reality of your film, but also making the film kind of dull. And I, and that also comes into play with with editing. There's definitely some scenes just from editing the film that I directed. And there's some scenes that you have to excise because the scenes kind of maybe boring or it doesn't really quite work or the acting's not that great or whatever it is but then it kind of removes a bit of either background detail or maybe a bit of plot element that you have to somehow incorporate maybe getting into another scene and things like that so mm-hmm. but but then it's kind of well okay you may be lo- and, and, and we talked about before where there's possibly it then it affects the continuity because suddenly why has the character now got a bag when i cut the scene mm-hmm. when he got the bag but it's kind of well mm-hmm. okay how far do you go with that? And you either have a whole bunch of scenes that don't really work and slow the film down, or how far do you push it in terms of, okay, mm. well, we need to somehow establish they've now got a pair of sunglasses on. So I guess that's always that sort of knife, knife edge sort of balancing of, of the overall, and I suppose it's just looking at the overall film as what's going to benefit the overall project, really, and the overall storytelling to kind of keep things moving along or, or to, to take out some of those dead scenes. Um, yeah. So I, I guess it's just an interesting, um, yeah, an interesting sort of discussion point really just in relation to editing. I will give credit where, where, where I feel it's, it's due. Some of those scenes must've been, I'm not saying it's not like any scene is easy to edit. I'm, I'm, you two would know more about that than me, but I'm assuming no scene is easy to edit. Um, but but some of them are, I would think, a little bit more difficult to edit. And I'm thinking about the scene everybody loves to take a huge doo-doo on uh, is when Bond visits Blofeld at Belmarsh. Uh, you know, that's a very small room. Uh, it's a very confined space. The decor is not particularly interesting. I know I in the making of book, like the cinematographer is like really, you know, thinks it's really cool that they're like multiple reflections of the character. I've seen the movie a handful of times. I've never even noticed it. But but the concept of of an enclosed space between two quote rivals end quote and, and they have a go a, a verbal uh, jousting match at it with one of them you know getting increasingly angry and the other one sort of yanking his chain as much as he can i actually do think as it starts a little bit wide as as wide as a shot like that can be and then they sort of get closer and the shots of their of their heads of their faces are closer and closer until we're almost sort of in the cage when he chokes almost chokes him to death almost so i you know i i give props to to those editing duties I, i guess if they're to, 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 to jump off of what, what a little bit of what Matt was saying earlier, if there are any issues in the editing of No Time to Die, it's not in the individual scenes. It's what fat could have been trimmed. In that respect, I suppose I can agree with, with Matt, although ask me what scene do I want to take out of the movie? I don't, I don't freaking know. It's, it's, back to your point, Simon, I didn't see the three hours go by. But, but yeah, if, if there, I don't think the injury, I think the individual scenes are, are quite, a, to quote our co-host, brilliantly edited, it's brilliant. You sort of have to start, you know, kill your darlings. That's the expression, I think, kill your darlings. Which darlings in this film would you kill? Um, my editing is not just building sequence. It's also so building the, the heartbeat of the movie. And at times it, mm. it's lumbering mm. around. It's just like, okay, get on with it, move on. Okay. <laughs> I, I, 
I'm aussi James Bond. I'm pink to see James Bond. Where's James Bond? He's, he's, mm. he, he's on the beach uh, looking at his uh, wife, girlfriend. I don't know. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's not clear. Lover. Um, you know, it takes a while for Bond to show up. And, you know, as a movie that's supposed to be the death of James Bond, it doesn't feel like at times it was built as the death of James Bond, you know, you, you would have, you would have focused more on James Bond uh, when you open him. You, you, the fact that it starts with Madeline to me is distracting. I would, I don't know. It's something that's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, 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 it's better than Quantum Solace. It's better than Spectre. It, sometimes I hesitate with, as you know, I put Skyfall earlier, but, I, I still kind of like the movie. Uh, so I don't, but it's it's nowhere near Casino Royale at all for me. It's a, Casino Royale is, a, is a, almost a flawless picture. And this one is, mm-hmm. it, it's flawed, flawed, flawed. It's flawed by its indulgence uh, with talent, or, or you know, the story is, uh, it could have been told uh, in a more tighter, more compact, more, pleasing at least to me because i don't like thing movies that are overly long i, I don't like my trans the transformers movie because they have no plot they just have endless action sequence that make mm-hmm. me nauseous and this has mm-hmm. on endless plot and good action se- sequences <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of way way you were talking about the uh hearing the, the history of, of the man came to my house or or where you're talking about the Belmarsh scene which has elements of say silence of the lambs or mm. those kind of things and it, it all of those really reminded me and, it, and I think this goes into editing and what you leave in what you take out and the choices that you make about about those things and uh and the the I watched an interview fairly recently with Denis Villeneuve the mm-hmm. Canada's Canada's vaguely current. I think I've heard of him I think I know who that is yes yeah, apparently he's made a couple of couple of small small films but um mm. um but the uh he he said um because they were talking about Blade Runner and obviously the, the question of is Deckard a replicant is he not how are you gonna and and he and he sort of said well often in these movies the question is more interesting than the answer so the whole mm. Hannibal Lecter and then you have a Hannibal Lecter prequel um, and it's kind of, oh, let's explore the backstory of Hannibal Lecter, or let's explore the backstory of Batman, or the backstory of James Bond, or the backstory of whomever. Mm-hmm. Or, let's, or do you remember the, the end of E.T.? Okay, let's continue the story, and he goes off to follow E.T.'s planet, and let's see more about that, or Prometheus, let's learn more about the space jockey. And you often, I, I don't know, obviously those films are successful, so who knows, but for me, I generally go, I don't think I need to know more about the Terminator creation factory or, or whatever because sometimes mm. those questions are more interesting than the answers when they're when they when you see more of those things you hear about the story of the guy that came to our house with a gun and i had to shoot him and all of that stuff mm-hmm. oh that's interesting or oh this person's darth vader but alec guinness talking about darth vader and it's oh that's mm-hmm. interesting that that's an interesting question what does he look like how did he get burnt in the lava and all of that and then when mm-hmm. you see it it's often not quite as interesting as, as the question. And I think when you when you anchor an entire story on 
essentially a question as opposed to a, a, a decent plot pr plot premise mm -hmm. case point of prometheus i don't think prometheus is a is an awful film but it's it all seemed to have generated from ridley scott going i want to really explore this thing that is a bit mm -hmm. of a, a detail a plot detail it's not really much <laughs> else and then you try and hang a whole film on same with rogue one rogue one the, the exploding death star was a plot device to for the for the overall story and then mm. you take that and you try and hang an entire narrative on it and it often isn't mm. to me anyway that that interesting because the because the behind the seat the background of those things are are interesting and intriguing which i know is slightly con is slightly contradictory to what i was talking about with the world is not enough a while ago <laughs> where i was saying actually i would have liked to have seen more of the that shown and not told to me so maybe yeah simon get your story straight yeah maybe i'm but just a hypocrite it's but I not think the it's same thing it's, though it's, I, portrayed. I, it's, it's sometimes there's interesting elements that don't really get explored and sometimes there's elements that have been explored really well and then they try and explore them more and more and more and it's just mm. not really there enough on the page the words not if is an original story that you know could have been explored a little more efficiently well you know rogue one or what's the uh, there's a recent one that i saw where they tell oh no i heard about it the gi joe snake eyes and oh, there's another prequel they did uh or you see oh boba fett the book of boba fett and it sort of uh removes uh some of the mysticism or the mystery of mm. certain character uh that mm. it, it would have made Safin more interesting if you just showed up the mask, quick cuts of the of the flashback, you, you, and that's it. You, you build your own version in your mind. Maybe the pre pre title sequence makes Safin story seem even a little bit stranger because it's like, man, how long has he, how long has he been killing the Spectre? You would have think in maybe five or six years he'd be done with the job. I just is like. Madeline's a little girl in the pre-pre-title sequence, and now we jump forward 20, 25 years. He's still on the trail of Spectre. Man, do your he job. He sucks. He sucks. <laughs> it would have been it would have been more interesting if they, you know, left some things ambiguous. Uh, you know, I, I, it's something because he gets poison. Bond gets poisoned. Because they could have explained that, you know, because the poison failed. That's that's why that his family got killed, and you know, make it more uh contemporary contemporary uh, of bond make him you know uh, they killed my family and uh, i know i'm the only one who survived uh when we failed to kill you you know there we go yeah. makes it a little bit more interesting i i think there's a i think it's fair to say that there's lots of elements with Safin that i think felt a bit undercooked didn't quite uh, mm. I, I liked the premise of the character and I, I, I liked, uh, but yeah, it felt as if it was missing a little bit of something. It was almost, almost the, the, it was almost, um, it was actually a problem, but almost the fact that they, they were so desperate to get Rami Malek, but he, his availability almost had a possibly a detrimental effect on the, on the narrative because they were so limited to, and same with Anna de Armas, as great as, as she was, it was almost, it did almost feel guest starring mm -hmm. guest guest of the week and so rami malek is sort of we need to get this oscar winner off the back of bohemian rhapsody and then 
but then they were so limited to filming with with him it, it, it almost felt as if it was missing some some scenes that would have helped with his development of the character um or if they'd have just got a body double for shooting in norway for example and then they could have had mm. another scene actually rami malik or or as has been mentioned maybe not have that scene at all or i don't know or just a different mm. there's all these different things are just different choices different approaches and i suppose you just have to uh yeah with the editing or with the filmmaking you have to sort of make those choices based on okay this is the availability we have for this actor that we've chosen and maybe that's why not to get too off topic but maybe that's why some of the danny boyle elements obviously didn't quite play out because there was some of those okay we're going to go this direction not this direction Mm -hmm. and the director's going well am i then not directing the film because we're sort of going in this direction i might go in this direction and and Danny Boyle's mm. not really done a big budget film and suddenly all the studio notes start coming in and all of that. So it, it must be, yeah, it must be a real head scramble, both the pre-production side of it, as well as the post-production of editing all this stuff together and those notes. And you've got the, the actor who's the producer going, I want X. And then the yeah. director going, I want Y. And then the producers going, I want something else. And, yeah, trying to kind of piece all this stuff together, and then, um, and then some chump like me, two years down the track, go, oh well, if they just re-edit this, and then let me just do it Easy. in premiere, I'll just cut my own version. Yeah, of the film. hey, maybe more. I'm sure quarterback. Film. Yeah, I can, that's a... I can create my own version of Spectre that I would prefer, and I can color grade mm. it so it's less yellow and all of that stuff. It's kind of all right, fine. If that's the film I want, that's mm. I can have that. But there's also the original film, which not to take yeah, away yeah. anything from the original film i guess it, it it creates a i don't know possibly a a weird and just speaking for myself here possibly it, it creates a bit of a strange not entitlement necessarily but it probably gives a little bit of a different attitude maybe towards ownership over someone else's film any final no time to die thoughts or or editing of bond thoughts since we're done no other than just to sort of to end on as well and just in relation to what what you've uh, you've been talking about and just that that for me to have maybe a bit of a sense of here's what x person should have done and then having directed and, and edited well edited several feature films and and directed one and a half feature films as sort of co-edited co-directed one and directed one myself it soon it was interesting because it definitely humbled me in terms of how i then quote unquote criticized films because having directed and written and edited my a film that I created it soon made it quite clear that I wasn't quite the uh, the visionary genius that I'd maybe bragged you about were. on <laughs> forums yeah it's kind of so it, it's sometimes mm-hmm. good I mean it's good I think it was for me it was a really and it, and it what it did do and I suppose that's why I was quite keen to have this this conversation in terms of analyzing say the editing of the films especially a bunch of films that i i love um was it it did give me a different appreciation for some of those choices and, and why some of those choices even if i don't always agree with those choices or some of them seem a bit wacky or weird or why do they do that having had a little bit of experience as to why you make some of those choices and maybe if you look back at it, if you interview John Glenn analysing all of his films, maybe he'd have been, oh, yeah, I might have done that differently or this was a mm. choice I just had to make because of time or whatever. And as we talked about, the ownership of films as well, the ownership of, okay, I, I wrote and directed the film I made, but there's also films that I have nothing to do with 
but it's interesting to have a totally separate viewpoint of looking at them from an editorial mm. point of view or from a personal perspective of oh well i would i prefer it when it does this so if you'd have cut this bit out or maybe if i'd have cut laser having a shagging spree on piss glory it might focus more on the diner rig love story you know all these things that you just think about and yeah. you can kind of try and have some fun with and i think that's the thing it's the fun aspect i do some of these fan edits of star wars or or mm. editing my own little projects because it's fun to do as well it's not as if it's this is the definitive version i think some of those fan edits can be this is the definitive version of Jackson's The Hobbit. It's kind of, well, isn't Peter Jackson's <laughs> The Hobbit that? But it's fun to just play around with these things and, and move images around. and, and then talk You know what? Just as a tool to learn editing, re-editing yeah. uh, uh, other movies is, honestly, it's fun and it's challenging, but it's also, uh, it, it, it brings... You know, more, yeah, as you said, you more appreciation to the, the work of the filmmakers. I did, I, I didn't share it to many people, but I, I did my own sort of rework and I had plans to re-edit Never Say Never Again. To, you know, somebody mm. did it with mu music, but it's from all Bond eras. And I, so I did my own version of just the first opening sequence. I removed the titles because it, it's, it was annoying. So I had to like, comp it out had masks mm. and you know something that's always bothered me is that when he sh he shoots the goons uh in, 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 there's no flares there's there's no explosion so mm -hmm. I, I i work to add flares i have rework the sound to make it more like when he throws this then the grenade it creates like a sound I, I was proud of myself but i worked really hard on that thing and when i was done i'm like yeah, the, uh, I, I can learn a lot of stuff, but you know, it, it's it doesn't change the movie that much, and it had, you know, the, the, what I I got out of the experience of editing is learning a few new tricks, but I don't need to re rework the entire picture. It has nothing to me. So you know, for people who are interested in editing, hmm. I would I would uh, suggest starting with that just a sequence because you you're gonna waste your time. You're not you you won't be able to profit from your work in any way shape or form so i, I find i find that type of exercise mm. I, I you know you probably enjoyed it but at the end it, it took you a long time to read it all three star wars movie where you could have been oh, let's read this scene or read this scene to me it's um it's it's also it's it's, it's, it's owning the work is very important so that you're able to profit from it as an artist or an editor hold on a second I keep telling my closest friends and family not to text me while I'm doing a podcast, but because it's 2022 and I'm obsessed with social media and my smartphone, I have to obviously check my messages. So just give me, um, I'll try to make this quick. You, you, you can keep this in if you want okay. to uh, yeah. in the edit. Uh, who texted me? Hey, I didn't give this guy my phone number. I thought, only, I, I thought he only had your phone number. It's M. White. Did you give me his? Uh, did I? Oh, maybe. <laughs> it's a very simple message. One line, all caps, exclamation marks, poop emoji. Do you have people everywhere? We are all on YouTube at the James Bond Complex, I think. Uh, we are on Facebook Apparently. at the James Bond Complex. I'm sorry? Apparently we're on YouTube. Oh. I don't know. Emery handles that these days. Yeah, I don't know what right. the hell's going on. <laughs> 
We're on Facebook at uh, the Jeans Bond Complex, on Twitter, the Bond Complex, on Instagram, the Jeans Bond Complex. We have a website, thejeansbondcomplex.com. I promise to start working on it anytime soon to find a way to make it more interactive and fun. Uh, we are hosted by our dear friends at uh, anchor.fm. We are available on all your platforms of uh, choice, whether it's Google, it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Pod, I don't know, I guess we're on Podbean. I think we're pretty much everywhere. Everywhere. Right everywhere. Now. So if you have a way to give us on e any of these platforms a good five-star rating, we'd appreciate mm. it. We put a lot, a lot of work and time in those shows. And I hope you, we, we all hope you enjoy them. Uh, Simon, I know you provided this information or what information you did provide last week, but let me just reiterate the no, the no places where people. <laughs> yeah. Whereas you have people everywhere. I have my social media place nowhere. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, if people wanted to get in contact with me via the James Bond complex, mm. um, the, uh, um, unless it's a massive disagreement with my views on Twine or Skyfall. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. no, you know I mean, in all seriousness, I, yeah, I, obviously I, I love chatting to, to Bond fans and it's it's really, it's been really hmm. fun if people wanted to get in touch. Merci, bonsoir, bye. Merci, bye, à la prochaine. Domo arigato. What the hell do I say? Ciao belli, à la prochaine. Domo joy, bogat samina, paka. Paka.